0: Greetings, welcome to the Vibeline. Line. My name's James White, and we have a special guest today, so I'm not going to do the normal uh, chit-chat with Rich and things like that. Rich is here, so those of you who are Rich fans, uh, don't worry. We will uh, will get to him later on, I suppose. But we have a special guest, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly how long we have him for, so that's why I'm not going to wait too long to bring on uh, former Navy SEAL Asa Miller. Asa, thank you very much for... Joining us on the the program today, I'm I'm not going to tell anyone where you are because I'll be perfectly honest with you. the the background behind you I don't know if you can see it, but we were sort of mocking uh, Brian as he was setting stuff up uh, because some of the camera angles uh, we were starting to think it looked a little bit too much like. Hamas uh, hiding someplace in a tunnel or something, <laughs> like that, going going. We will take your women and children. Uh, and so, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. You are here in the good old United States, um, and uh, you are a part of an upcoming release that um, uh, we're going to be talking about. Seals beat Biden. Seals beat Biden. Uh, so we'll we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, let's start off with uh, with you a little bit. You don't look like the type of guy that I would want to uh, cross swords with. Um, you uh, were a Navy SEAL for, I believe, six years. Yes, sir. All right. Um, I've seen the movies. I've read the books. The the buds training and all that wonderful fun stuff. Where only the strong survive. Um, it's quite a uh, it's quite a brotherhood uh, that you have been a, been a part of. Um, Tell me, uh as you see what's happening in the world today and you look back on your 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 six years, um, you know, I, I desperately wanted to go to the Air Force Academy when I was when I was oh, somewhere in early high school, somewhere around there. Eventually reality and the fact that my eyes stunk uh caught up with me on that. Though I it did help me get really good grades because I knew I was gonna have to climb that hill. But yeah. um, young people looking at military service and things like that um the world's changing a lot i mean i look back 6 years uh the, that was a completely different time a very different time than we're living in today wouldn't you wouldn't you say that things have changed a lot in 6 years
1: they definitely have changed and it's it's sad um you you talk about like you wanting to join the military young kids wanting to join the military and It's something i actually am struggling with right now because i've had friends and family recently even asking you know hey what's your opinion like should he go marine or officer or whatnot and part of me wants to you know be like yes it's incredible you know best memories of my life were in in the military learned so much grew as a you know as a man as a person in general but at the same time i mean you see what Our administration and senior military military leadership are doing to the military as an institution, and it's it's tragic. Um, It's it's definitely not an easy answer like it used to be for the last few decades.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That that certainly is. As I look at the infiltration of a completely foreign worldview, that well, you're. I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Adams quote from one of the founding fathers who said the Constitution is only is only sufficient uh, for a, a moral and religious people. Yeah. And there, there had to be that kind of, of um, limitations on government and things like that that was a part of the Christian worldview. With the repudiation of that, it's just amazing how effective it has been to go for the military, to go into that area and to see what's going on today it really does, uh, you know. On the one hand, we 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 want to we want to love our military We want to love the SEAL teams and things like that. And all all Americans have a ha, well should have a, a tremendous pride in uh, the fact that uh, we've been able to do good and proper things. But all of that depends on the you you t- you used the term administration. I I sense. 2020 I'm using the term regime um, because an administration administers the laws that came before it rather than just ignoring all of them and coming up with new stuff. And so this new regime um, it's hard to hard to respect and it's yeah. uh, it's it's really really hard to then go okay, there has to be chain of command, there has to be uh, obedience to orders and all the rest of this kind of stuff. But when you're being ordered, as I understand in certain parts of the military now is re- required to look at a man and say uh, something other than, sir, um, you're facing uh, the choice of dealing with reality. Uh, it's, only, it's only a matter
1: of time before it, it gets into the actual branches of the military. From my understanding, it started with Admiral Levine right. under under uh, the Health and Human Services or one of the other you know, lesser agencies. Um, and she's he is parading around as a woman and has been appointed as an admiral and is instituting this policy. And as we've seen, um, it's, a, it's a hostile takeover of every element of government. And the military generally is the last line of defense. But it's definitely not far away that absolutely they're going to be requiring, you know, official pronouns. Um, in the, in the ranks, which is insane.
0: Yeah, it's insane, and it's degrading. That's the real issue. Is it's it's degrading. Um, there's a awesome quote. I don't have it up right now. Um, someone was talking about how under the Soviet Union, what they did to degrade people was to force them to repeat lies, force them to repeat things that they knew were not true, but it was the only way you could get along. And that way, you you break people down, and that's that's what's happening here as well. Uh, when you when you have to look at a guy and a not very good looking guy in the beginning with, in a dress and say "ma'am" and stuff like that, it's degrading to the entire to the entire system. And it, you know, I had um, an amazing number of uh, military men in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan that have told me over the years that the dividing line was a real. Um, Lifeline for them while they were deployed uh, in the situations they were facing and stuff. And one of them actually came by here in where I live in Phoenix and I took him out shooting. It uh, used to be easier to do in Phoenix than it is now. You got to drive forever to find any place to go shooting anymore, but uh, other than Ben Avery. Uh, but um, I have an AK 47 and he had destroyed thousands of AK 47s uh, in Iraq, uh, but he'd never fired one. And so I remember taking him out in the desert, and he knelt down and emptied out a clip with, out of my AK-47, and he stood up and sort of looked at, because you know they're not the prettiest looking things in the world. No, uh, you know, but he he just sort of looked at, it and he, sh- he he nodded his head and he said, "That's not a half bad bad firearm," <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was yeah. impressed with it uh, that that you can make something like that work when it's all sorts of different parts that are just completely uh, interchangeable. But but one of the things that he told me was that when they had tough missions in Iraq and they were forced to work with UN troops and people from Europe and stuff like that, if it was a tough mission, it would always go to the Americans because the Americans were the only people that were willing to do the tough missions because all this degrading stuff has already been going on in the European military long before it started hitting us. And so I just recognized that, man... um, we've got stuff coming and i don't know what the military is going to look like even 5 years from now uh let alone 10 years down the road but things they are changing so obviously when you went well you're you're in a military family to begin with uh right so um when you when you first went in you were still looking at the old way of how the military is seen and the you know basically the righteousness of the cause in essence um and that's really what's 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 changing would that be a correct way of putting it Definitely. I mean, we
1: stand on the shoulders of giants and my dad served for 27 years in the Marine Corps. He was a huge inspiration to me. Um, you look back over the last few decades with the greatest generation and beyond, the, the military is the most trusted institution in America. And I think rightfully so, because you could generally look at someone who spent time in the service in uniform and you knew that they had um, discipline. First and foremost, they were men of character, they had, were men of integrity. Um, they stood for something bigger than themselves. And that was the most important thing. Everyone has the same rights. Everyone definitely has opinions politically, socially, um, but mission came before anything else. And so you could rely on these guys that, you know, when, when push came to shove, they were gonna stand for truth. Um, and that's historically how the military has been. That's how uh, I envisioned it going in. And honestly, for part of my career, that's that's the experience I had, especially uh, in the lower levels of the enlisted and even lower levels of the officer corps. They still are good, strong men and women who just want to serve their country and be a part of something bigger than themselves. But um, we've seen, as we kind of mentioned already, that just the hostile takeover of institutions, and it's you know started with academia and colleges, and the last line of defense has been the military. Um, I think a lot of conservatives and just um, common sense individuals in general kind of thought that the military would always stand as the bastion for mm. common sense because, you know, there's no room for transgender ideologies and abortion on the battlefield. So right. there's no room for mispronouning someone on the battlefield. <laughs> um, so I think we kind of overlooked it. And I think COVID was the final catalyst that yeah. pushed us over the edge because the left had been moving; um, these radical ideologies had been moving. They have a mission; they're not stupid, and they have they have infected the ranks of senior military leadership and administrative um, officials. And when COVID hit, that that was their opportunity to start pushing and pushing hard. Um, all of these radical ideologies yeah
0: yeah that, that that really was something that changed everything so so the film um, that is coming out um, and you're you're a part of its uh, of its story is telling the story of the fact that um, and please just tell me because we didn't we didn't really talk much beforehand as to exactly what you're able to talk about and, and not able to talk about but um We were all uh, taking it. Well, some of us were taking a stand early on in regards to the demands that were being made of us. Um, Some of us who had some science background were going, man, some of this just doesn't make any sense. And when they started talking about the vaccines, I started doing reading on it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. There isn't isn't a, a week's worth of safety data, let alone five years or anything else. On these yeah. types of things, um, what what in how in the world can anybody be be arguing that this is something that's safe or proper to do? And so, but that's that's out here in in Freeville, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm not I'm not in the military, so I get to say those things and think those things. Uh, I mean, you've been a pin cushion uh, probably during your military career for all sorts of. Shots and vaccines and everything, because you're you're going all over the world. And I know when I traveled uh, to Africa and stuff like that, I took various shots because you're going into areas where you're going to be exposed to stuff you wouldn't otherwise be exposed to, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we we sort of were still thinking in the old ways of thought, uh, but then comes the the vaccine mandate uh, coming into the the military, and um, I know I. My first uh, exposure to anything here was, of course, through my fellow pastor Jeff Durbin. He con- contacted me, and and I'm not I'm the guy who travels around. I don't I don't fly anymore. Um, I, I I drive a fifth wheel now, and uh, nice. uh, because well, yeah, you know what? Uh, in in 2019, I flew 165,000 miles around the world. I taught in Samara, Russia, and South Africa, and all over the place. So it's not that I have a fear of aircraft or anything else. It's that I have a heart condition that if I put a mask on, it can trigger supraventricular tachycardia, which is significantly more dangerous than a cold. <laughs> um, yeah. So, But nobody cared. I mean, the, airline, the airlines didn't care. Nobody cared. Uh, you just go ahead and die. You may have given us $100,000 in ticket fees last year. We don't care. Go ahead and die. So um, that one of the reasons I didn't get to meet with you guys uh, was because I would have had to have driven um, that, a very long distance to make that work um, at that particular point in time. But anyways, Jeff contacted me and said I've been contacted uh, by folks in, in the, the Navy SEALs and they want to talk to me about this, this vaccine mandate, which I assume came from the fact that we at Apologia had been, um, you know, Preaching on this issue, uh, maybe Jeff was known because he's a, a former world karate champion or something, um, uh, or or maybe because he was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You guys are so young. <laughs> maybe that was uh, maybe that was the connection. I have no earthly idea. Um, uh, but uh, he told me he he came back from from meeting with y'all. Now you may not know this, so you may be learning something for the first time too. He comes back. I think it was on a Friday. He came back. And he's filling us in, and he says they need this and they need this, and we're going to be working with uh, um, I think Bradley, who's also in the film, um, on on these legal things here. And, and and one of the things he says was they need a a religious exemption uh, statement and an explanation of what the what the reasoning here is, and I, they need it like by Monday or Tuesday. This is Friday and i'm listening to this and i'm going okay okay i've been around here long enough to know (laughs) i go so jeff um you mentioned this uh writing something um who's who's gonna do that jeff well um most qualified (laughs) (laughs) Well, James, you you've written twenty four books, so I mean, uh, you know, uh, oh, okay, thanks, Jeff, I appreciate that. So I I literally only had like about maybe eighteen hours of actual um, writing time uh, to to put together what I ended up putting together. Um, but yeah, I wrote that uh, that uh, was was then given to you all, and uh, proud to have had the opportunity to do it. But it was surprising uh when it it came came about at that particular point in time and i i think it was a few weeks after that i was on the road so i was in my rv and jeff said you know it's you know it's not looking good um my understanding is you actually did get to have a normal separation right
1: yeah so i mean this entire situation the whole two years of it are incredibly complex and confusing confusing no one kind of had a cookie cutter thing happen to him which is especially surprising because that's what the military is known for but um in my particular case i chose to i, I was in the meeting with jeff and all the different lawyers and um we kind of talked strategy and talked convictions and beliefs and for me i personally um I was pretty upset with the direction that the administration and Department of Defense and, you know, my own community were going with it. Um, and I just I didn't want to submit a religious exemption because I didn't even believe there was a constitutional or lawful mm-hmm. grounds for them to submit an order. So I chose to not s- submit any exemptions. All I did um, with with the help of Davis Younts, my lawyer, um, who's in Seals Beat Biden as well, was. I challenged the lawfulness of it outright. And I just said, I want time to look at the lawfulness of this. And I don't think it's a mandatory order or a lawful order. So I'm not going to comply. And I want to I want to see the evidence, basically. And then there were other guys who submitted the religious exemptions. Um, A lot of guys who submitted the religious exemptions that you helped us craft. And um, we're definitely super grateful for that. And our court case involving those actually just got resolved um, I think like three or four days ago. And the, the government is issuing uh, over a million dollars in in fees for wow. that. Um, so I appreciate your help in winning that fight. And um, then there were still other guys who tried to submit medical exemptions. Um, so we attacked this thing from all angles based on everyone's convictions. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were going about this honestly. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I ended up fighting this with no exemptions um, in different different avenues for two years about. And then my contract was up, uh, my initial six-year contract was up in this the May of 2023, this past May. And by the time it came around, the NDA had already been passed that at least um, put an end to the current struggle of over vaccines. Um, mm-hmm. So I was able to discharge with a regular honorable discharge like anyone else would at the end of their Contract. But I have a lot of friends who were separated before that the NDAA was passed. And so some of them are required to pay back over $10,000 worth of bonuses that they had signed before this craziness happened. Mm. And they were separated and are now being forced to pay all that money back unexpectedly um, against their own desires. They wanted to be team guys, they wanted to serve their country. Um, There there are a handful of guys like that in my own community, and there are, I believe the number is over eighty five hundred um service wide Marine Corps Army, Navy Air Force, Coast Guard who were also discharged, and some of those guys got dishonorable discharges, some of them got general discharges, which takes away pretty much all of your benefits. Mm. so there are a lot of different issues um not everyone's the same and not everyone is put in a position to do something about it. Cause yeah. like I mentioned, the, the NDA put an end to the current problem, but it doesn't rectify, um, all the lot, li- the thousands of lives that were overturned. And it also doesn't do anything to prevent something like this happening in, in the future. Right. And another number I think is super important is that when the NDA was finally passed, there were 250,000, active duty and reserve military members, service members across the branches who had not received the vaccine and were all being threatened with discharges of one nature or the other. There were people who were put in the brig, which is military prison. Um, The punishments were varied and definitely did not meet the crime, which there was none. So the whole point of SEALs beat Biden and my role in it is I have a platform. I have the opportunity um, to raise awareness To all these different issues. And the goal is to um, push for accountability and to make sure that we reestablish the rule of law, for lack of a better term, um, to make sure that this does not happen again. Because if we leave it as is, if we take the small victory, there's 8,000 plus lives who have been put into shambles, careers ruined, futures, goals, hopes, dreams shattered. And there's you know could have been two hundred and fifty thousand, and who who's to tell you that you know once they mandate you know anyone's you know alphabet soup of pronouns if <laughs> people start refusing that are we just going to face the same exact problem again where we have a politicized military leadership yep. pushing an agenda trying to purge the military of people who are critical thinkers and stand for their beliefs and convictions um so that's that's really the ultimate goal of Steel beat biden is yes covid It was the catalyst that was kind of the catchy um, title that helps us raise awareness to this and brought it to public view that there is a systemic um, rot in our military leadership. But the goal of the documentary is to tell some stories and then provide um, pathways forward and to just raise awareness to the general public that we need to do something about this. We can't just rest on our Meager, meager laurels from um, shutting down one avenue of approach that the enemy took towards us.
0: Yeah, it, it's obvious, I think, to everybody um, that this is just one, one step uh, that I think was surprisingly successful from their perspective. I think, I think a lot of people uh, expected more pushback than they ended up getting uh, from the populace in general it's sort of sad that in Western culture, there was a fear is an extremely good motivator. There's absolutely no way about it. And social media, uh, the educational system. I mean, we were just willing to just uh, roll over and say, pet my tummy, as long as you take care of me on so many things without recognizing that, you know, I've been listening as you've been speaking and you you were talking earlier. You were ta- you were using terms like responsibility and self-sacrifice and all the rest of the stuff. And I'm sitting here going, all of those terms are only meaningful within a particular worldview that used to be assumed. <clears throat> you didn't assume everybody in the military was a Christian, obviously. But yeah. there was but the whole concept of duty and honor. There's, there's no way to ground that in a secular system. if you're just simply spawn scum that accidentally took the form that you've got, there's duty and honor has no meaning. There, there has to be a foundation to understand all of those things and that was that was part and parcel of the military tradition um, I know've I've, I've spent a lot of time in, in my life uh, you know I teach church history, but uh, I've spent a lot of time studying the war in the Pacific and World War II. And when you look at what people had to go through at Tarawa and Iwo Jima and Okinawa and of course Guadalcanal, the Marines on Guadalcanal, you you, you look at, at how they held off just a massively superior number of of uh, of Japanese, they only they did that because there was a conviction that gave them the co- cohesion and the, the ability to to do what they did. and once that's gone, um, you have to replace it with something else and secularism doesn't offer anything else to put there. That's the problem. No. And so um, when I when I listen to you saying these things, you know a lot of people during the time are going, well, look, they're military. they just have to do whatever they're told. But the problem is when when you study history, you look at the Nuremberg trials and things like that. Doing what you were told was not considered a proper defense at Nuremberg uh, no. for the, for the guards at Auschwitz and Buchenwald and places like that. So there's much more to it than that. But it goes to worldview. It goes to to why you're doing what you're doing and the foundation and the legality of the orders. And that's what you were talking about. Is saying this isn't this is not a, an appropriate order because it's malformed. It does not have the foundation. I mean, that would have been my argument. And in fact, I did include that, by the way, in the exemption document was there is there is absolutely no way that anyone could argue that these vaccines had any kind of meaningful safety data to them at all. And as I'm sure you've kept up with uh, within just the past couple of weeks, news came out that they have found plasmid DNA uh, in uh, the uh, Pfizer uh, vials and the Pfizer vaccine vials, which is not supposed to be there, and that is a form of DNA that can put the mRNA into the genetic code into the genome of the of the human species. I mean, it's dangerous it's illegal stuff. I mean, it's stuff that yeah. the world community says we will never do this. We know China is doing it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, but it's illegal stuff. And yeah. so, so this was all, this was all going on. And at the same time, the, the, uh, uh Google and Facebook and everybody saying, Oh, but you can't talk about this. You can't even communicate about this. To, so to say that this is not going to be repeated in the future. Um, obviously it worked so well the first time around, they're just going to modify stuff and keep going unless the- something happens.
1: It, we don't even have to wait for the future. I mean, you just I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this, if they pay attention to military or, you know, political or even religious issues in our in our world right now. I mean, Tommy Tuberville, senator out of Alabama, has been fighting, I think, for maybe it's definitely a few months. I think maybe 10 months is the right number. He's been fighting the just basically blank check automatic promotions for senior military leadership. Um which, of course, you, they can all still be promoted. It just takes individual votes on the Senate. But he's been blocking it over abortion in the DOD. And it's against federal law for the federal government to fund specifically the DOD to fund abortions. Mm. So the way our current administration and Secretary Lloyd Austin and his minions are doing it is they're giving free leave to individuals who want to go across state lines if they are in a state that has restricted abortion. Um, they, If they want to go across state lines, they get free leave, free emergency leave, and then get their travel costs reimbursed. Mm. Plus, they get leave on the back end um, to recover from their abortion. And first off, why that's a terrible thing. I mean, definitely on this podcast, and I would hope everyone with <laughs> common sense around the world knows abortion is murder of a child. So our DOD should be focused on killing the enemy, not their own children. But um, this is, once again, an, an immediate current subversion of federal law by the Department of Defense and Pentagon leadership, where they are, instead of funding the actual abortion, they are accommodating those and encouraging those service members to go out and abort their children. And one of the, to put this in a little bit more perspective, if that's not enough, I, early in my career, I experienced the death in the family and I had to go home on emergency leave. And they were great. My leadership was great. They followed all the procedures. I was able to leave training immediately. I went home. I spent the time that I had available to be with my family in that hard time. And then I went back at the end of my leave. But I was not given any excess time to even grieve with my family, which Mm. I didn't expect. I got plenty of time. I'm not complaining here. But what's disgusting to me is people who are experiencing deaths in the family still have to use, (coughs) pardon me, still have to use their regular leave. And yet these individuals who are choosing to abort their own children are giving free leave and getting their travel costs refunded. Mm. And I mean, there's no better example than that right there. Like COVID was not a one-off thing. There There is an actual agenda they are pushing. There are plans in place and they are destroying the rule of law. And something you guys stressed a lot in our meeting and subsequent kind of mentorships, was Lex Rex, the law is king, mm-hmm. and and there has to be a standard. You talked about you know the 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 war in the Pacific, and I would point to the D Day and the UDTs, who were the precursor to my own community, where they had a over ninety percent casualty rate. Um, people don't die in war for nothing. They right. die because they love their brothers, they love their neighbor, and there's a standard that they know they're upholding. Um, they don't just die for freedom and democracy but they die for their their fellow you know sailors fellow Marines, soldiers um, that are to the left and right and they all have a common cause a common bond a common love for each other and they want to defend each other's life and that's what the military is built on it is a common standard the rule of law and and making sure that injustice does not go unpunished and yet now our Department of Defense, our Pentagon leadership, is more concerned about aborting children in America and funding terrorists in Hamas and letting Afghanistan get overrun by the Taliban. Mm. We just spent 20 years and thousands of service members' lives, trillions of dollars, trying to to create a safe environment. You can debate whether that was a lawful war or not. I don't want to do that here. All I'm saying is that we spent a lot of money, blood, sweat, and tears A lot of good men and women died over there for a standard, for protection and love. And um, the Department of Defense has just been throwing that out the window. And it's no surprise that when you focus on politics and social engineering and you embrace and encourage deviant behavior, that you see the largest land war in Europe since World War II going on in Ukraine. And you see, as I mentioned, the terrorist attacks in Israel, uh, the most deaths of the jewish people since the holocaust and we see an invasion of our own southern border our military and law mm-hmm. enforcement are doing nothing about mm-hmm. it <clears throat> either senior leadership are tying you know the people on the ground's hands or they're specifically giving them orders to cut barbed wire and let these people over
0: right yeah. it's, it's
1: disgusting and it's because like you mentioned we have gotten away from any semblance of a standard we call men women. We allow them you know, to put tampons in women's bathrooms and men to go into women's bathrooms and harass and sexually assault them. And it's disgusting, and we have to do something about it.
0: And all of this, of course, is, um, again, it's worldview, worldview, worldview. And that's, look, it's not just the military that's been taken over. The educational um, institutions were taken over first. You had to. Uh, That's where it had to start. And so the next generation has been given a worldview that has no foundation to be able to explain self-sacrifice, discipline, um, any of the things that that made our military what what it was. It is interesting to me. I'm sure you've read it. um, General Eisenhower warned. uh, He saw in his day uh, that the influence of money, the influence of money and power, uh, could be very, very dangerous. Uh, you know, We had, the, obviously, the strongest military in the world coming out of World War II, and he saw, even as the commander-in-chief and then as the president, that money and power can corrupt all sorts of things, including the military complex itself. And you just have to wonder how far back uh, all this stuff uh, goes as far as the, the directionality to eventually... Once you rob people... Of their humanity. Once you don't believe that you are creating the image of God, uh, what a powerful military can do is scary. Um, look at what the Soviets did. Look at what China is doing to its own people. Uh, once you lose that, it it becomes extremely dangerous. And um, so, anyway, uh, now now when does this? Because fi- I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much time you've got today. I don't want to take up a lot of your time. Uh, but when does the film come out? And how are people going to be able to uh, uh, watch it? How is it going to be distributed?
1: Yeah, so right now we are going to be releasing in November. So for an official date, just go ahead and over uh, go over to sealsbeatbiden.com. You can follow us on social media. Um, we haven't put out an exact release date yet, but it'll be dropping in two separate um, documentaries. The first one or episodes, the first one will kind of be telling the story of COVID, what happened, who was involved, who um, what was at stake, and the second one will go a little bit more in depth on the current issues that we're facing post-COVID and what needs to be done about them. So, yeah, releasing November of this year,
0: and um, for more updates, just head over to sealsbeatbiden.com. Will that will that be released like in a limited number of theaters, or is is it all online, or exactly how will it? Are you aware? I mean, sometimes yeah, yeah. That's, that that stuff can change.
1: No. So it's going to be free to the public. Our only ask is that you um, sign up with your email and then it'll direct you over to the Republic Sentinel. And they are the guys who are producing this. And they're they have an awesome um, up and coming conservative uh, news outlet where Mm -hmm. all news is given straight and given through a Christian worldview. so our only ask is that you subscribe to the to the email list and you get the both episodes for free oh, okay. on your digital device.
0: Okay. All right. So it'll be a digital download type thing or a website or something. Yeah. You'll You'll be able to watch it all all digitally. Yeah. And the first episode will be dropping in uh, in November, and then the other one uh, weeks after, we- months after.
1: Um, you know, I can't actually tell you, but I believe they should both be in November. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. But yeah, if you head over to Seals Beat Biden, you'll have all the answers
0: right there. (laughs) So, uh, so now, um, this makes you a movie star. Um, (laughs) are you getting any shirts made that says, you know, I'm, 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 I'm both a Navy SEAL and a movie star or anything like that? Are you just going to? are you going to be no. the nice humble guy I'm
1: hoping I'm hoping this is a one and done in the realm of
0: film
1: <laughs> so. we'll get in we'll accomplish the mission and then we'll go back to being a kind uh-huh. of citizen
0: yeah well you know um something tells me we're all in this for the long haul right now uh, to be honest with you because uh, when i when i look at the zeal that the other side has the fact they'll get up every single morning and 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 i don't know why because it there's nothing. There's no meaning to it. I mean, it's it's destructive of human flourishing. It's destructive of human relationships. Uh, you know, you were talking about the, uh, the the brotherhood that exists in the military, and and you know the the great series Band of Brothers that was done about World War II, and the the relationships that develop. All of that makes sense in a worldview that recognizes that we're made in the image of God. It doesn't make any sense for Walking bags of fizzing chemicals to to make these types of commitments or these types of sacrifices, it just doesn't. So I I don't know the, the well I do know the motivation. It's the culture of death. I get it. Uh, I, I understand that. But still, these folks don't give up. Uh, they they just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And we tend to want to get the battle done and then go home and be with our families. Um, but they they just keep going and going and going. And so we've got a lot of. A lot of work, a lot of praying, a lot of uh, energy to expend yet, uh, I think. um, And you're a young man. I have grandchildren, and uh, I trust me, um, when you have your first grandchild, mark this down, write it down. James White told me this would happen. Um, But when your baby has a baby, all of a sudden you start realizing you are a part of something a whole lot bigger than you ever thought you were. And it changes everything.
1: Let me clarify. I don't plan on going quietly into the night after this. Um, There's some great organizations, as I mentioned, the Sentinel, raising awareness, telling the truth. Um, Also, Stand With Warriors is a new organization. Well, organization that you're probably familiar with, they helped kind of fundraise for our our lawyers, but it's been rebranded and and repurposed. And I'm super excited about the guys over there. Davis Yance has headed that up. And they are taking a proactive approach towards making sure that nothing like this happens in the military specifically and then to a broader um, governmental agency. So I definitely plan on helping guys like that out. Um, I was just specifically talking about film. I, oh, I'm sure I don't want to go to Hollywood, <laughs> but no, we definitely have a mission ahead of us that is going to take a lot more than than a documentary. And oh, yeah. the documentary's purpose is just to raise awareness and and reach people Um, where they're at, at their home, going about their daily lives, working, doing the stuff that us, you know, common sense Americans want to do and showing them that we are in a death struggle. Um, I truly believe that. And if we, if if the side of creation and love and ultimately God doesn't step up and fight back against these, in my opinion, evil, hateful, spiteful individuals who are pushing these ideologies, then America, as we know it, is doesn't have much time left. Um, that's true and so well, while that is kind of doom and gloomy, like I totally see you said what's the military going to be like in five years? I think the military in five years could be right back to where it is the most trusted institution in America with good, strong men and women serving their country. Um, but it just takes individuals young and old stepping up and saying enough of this insanity.
0: yeah now you've uh, you've worked with uh, Zach Lautenschlager on the film. Yes. Um, Now, there's a connection there that you're you're probably not aware of. Um, Zach is a member of the OPC in Magna, Utah, uh, with Pastor Jason Wallace. And we have worked with Jason for longer than I think Jason wants to admit we've worked with Jason. Um, I was just up there in April for his 25th anniversary celebration, 25 years in, in ministry, and Jason's just a wonderful troublemaker. Uh, he arranged, I don't know how many debates I've done in Salt Lake City, but Jason's been behind all of them. In fact, I, I, did you—if you uh, if you haven't had a chance, not that you're not busy enough as it is, uh, Jeff and I have done two debates up in Salt Lake City. Uh, we did one right before COVID shut everything down with two atheists. And it's well known because uh, it's the famous antifreeze debate. Where one of the atheists poured a cup of antifreeze from a Prestone bottle and challenged the Christians to drink it in light of uh, Mark sixteen that says that Christians can drink poisons and it won't hurt them. And <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, I'm sitting next to Jeff as this guy is walking toward us across the thing with a with with antifreeze going. Are we about to get sprayed? Is this going to be thrown on us? What well, I have no idea what in the world is coming. Have to break out his karate. His I karate was going to say, but I was glad <laughs> I had Jeff next to me because I figured he can he can take care of whatever's coming. Um, that ended up being a fascinating uh, debate. Jason Wallace, the pastor of Zach's Church, was the moderator of that debate. And then in April of this year, uh, we did another debate: uh, Is God necessary for ethics? with two atheists there in the same room that jason put together and both of them went really really well uh i think you'd find them to be
1: uh, uh that second one was it uh i think it was a younger gentleman on the atheist side yes and then kind of and an older guy yes,
0: yes 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 i
1: i did watch that a few months ago i thoroughly enjoyed it um, well and keep something watching <laughs>
0: and keep something in mind that isn't mentioned in the video um jeff flew home that next morning Because his mom was dying. And in fact, he had gotten word that day, he had just arrived, that her lung had collapsed. So he could have been, he could have mailed. Before the debate. Yes. He could have mailed that thing. Well, a big storm was coming in. In fact, I got trapped in it uh, because I'm driving. A huge snowstorm came in, got nine inches of snow. And so he got out in time. And the beautiful thing is, um, he was able to lead his mother to the Lord before she died wow so that was all in the days after that debate but he had just gotten that word the day of the debate and yet as you know he was on fire in that debate he was laser focused and so That's that's just one of those things that that i mean i love jeff um and he he says i'm one of his fathers in the faith that i've been a mentor to him and everything else but i'm like I, I wouldn't have been able to do what he did in that situation. I really, I really don't think I, I would have had the kind of focus that he had. So Talk yeah, about that
1: was sacrifice and discipline.
0: Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Big time, big time. I, I
1: I have yet to say it, but I need to take this moment to just acknowledge the fact that you guys, I mean, I can't thank you guys enough. I was not aware of who any of you guys were before this process started. And it, it came in, we never really got into how we even, you know, got connected Apologia and all the different, you know, Davis and, and, um and Bradley, but right. I just want to take this moment to just say you guys, your witness um from YouTube to sermons broadcasted to the individual, you know, mentorship that we received was so such a blessing. And I've grown so much in my own faith. And I just want to personally thank you and well, the Apologia staff.
0: Well, I, I I will tell you that when Jeff contacted me, I started this a little bit earlier. When Jeff contacted me, and this was after the submission of the documents and all the rest of that kind of stuff, um, he contacted me. I was on the road, and he said, man, things are, are, are sort of tough right now. It's discouraging. What's going on? Would you be able to record something uh, for the SEALs? And I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't met with them. I haven't even seen their faces. Uh, it, it's hard to just look at a camera. Um, <laughs> but I'm just sitting here thinking all the discipline, the life training... Um, the, the, the sacrifice of so many, so much of what other young men are able to have free time to do that you can't do because you're learning and you're being trained and you're doing all these types of things. I I tried to put all that in my mind and then just there in my little RV, I don't even remember where I was. I remember it was at night, um, trying to record, um, as best I could something that was, that recognized the difficulty of the situation the the disappointment of the decisions that were being made but at the same time encouraging in an overarching sense that you're doing something bigger than yourselves you're doing something um you're taking a stand that will later in your life you'll be able to look back at this and say that was the right thing was the only thing i really could do um and i don't know what what kind of impact something like that from a Little old Scottish guy uh, can possibly have, but I was honored to to have that opportunity to to record that and and uh, send it off to to you guys and and uh, so I just I just you you need to know for a lot of us we're just so thankful for all that you guys have done and um, you are the next generation yeah I mean I'm looking at a young man here you're the next generation and I'm going to tell you I had it a whole lot easier. than than your generation will. You're going to be facing some serious, serious challenges. And so my generation is blamed for messing it all up, and in many ways that's true. My generation believed in the myth of neutrality. Uh, We allowed things to happen on our watch that we shouldn't have um, because we just didn't know. Uh, We didn't see what was coming. But at the same time, I hope some of us have laid a foundation um, that you all will be able to build on and uh not have to rebuild everything uh because of the work that we've done. so that's that's why we do what we're doing, and uh, I'm very thankful that we had that opportunity again, I'm not even sure how the connection uh was made either, but I'm very thankful that it that it was. and so uh anything that we've done, we did it for the kingdom of Christ and uh for his glory. and uh as we're getting older, you guys get to take the reins and uh to to do what's need to be going to be need to be done. So um, I, I say that to everybody your age. Don't worry about it. It's something us older guys do. Uh, but I but I do admit we had it a lot easier than you than you guys will. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, you're you're going to be called to a challenging time. So hopefully we can lay some foundation for you and already have in the debates. Um, if you've only seen that one. Um, there, you've only got 181 more to catch up with all of them that I've done.
1: <laughs> so, well, thank God for giving us the ability to listen at time and a half speed. I'll yes, try yes, and start catching
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't easy to do back in the days. When I was listening to d- debates, other people had done because they were on cassette tape. Okay, and it's it's hard to make that go real fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, really, that, is. S- that squiggly noise. Oh yeah, the the chipmunk thing. It doesn't really help with uh, with any of yeah. that type of stuff. So, anyways, uh, Asa Miller, thank you so much for letting us know uh, about this upcoming film. We'll obviously link to because the trailer's out. The, the tra- yeah. there's a trailer out on YouTube. We'll we'll link to the to the trailer. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to what you have to say there. And uh, I'm just going to have to find some time when I wander by uh, up there because I have connections, as you know, there. But I've never gotten to go in uh, where you are. I'm not going to mention unless you want to mention where, if, unless you're, you're okay with that. Um, oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I'll mention it. Yeah, our, Come yeah, on by. <laughs> yeah, Armored Republic. Um, uh, my son works there. And uh, I almost had the opportunity of coming in about six weeks ago. Uh, but my wife got there and picked up the kitten before I got there, so I didn't get that chance uh, to t- chance to do that. But um, uh, that's a long story that we won't get into right now. But but thank yeah. you so much for for spending time uh, with us today, and I'm hoping folks will really enjoy the documentary and we'll get the get the word out to everybody. Thank everybody that was involved with it, and uh, I hope to get to meet you in person sometime.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much from your. Uh assistance and mentorship from afar virtually. I've appreciated it. And it was great to meet you finally uh, face-to-face. All right. Excellent. <laughs> still virtually, well, but <laughs>
0: Well, we, and we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it in real time in the not too distant future. I hope. Thank you. Thank you for Absolutely. your time. God bless.
1: God bless you.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. Hey, you know, we're not done yet. Um, this is still the dividing line, but I wanted to, uh, that opportunity presented itself, uh, uh, and I wanted to make sure we did that and uh get the uh get that information out there all those seals that i now have met um just just amazing guys and when you think of navy seals you you think of six foot four 280 pound linebackers they're not uh in fact guys that big would struggle to do a lot of the especially the water stuff because they were they're in the navy um they're, they're originally much more underwater type stuff, and then the mission grew. Uh, you wouldn't want to... I mean, they are made out of steel. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. But um, fascinating guys, and um, I am absolutely convinced that it was absolutely purposeful uh, to try to get as many of the uh, conservative, grounded uh, men out of the military as possible. And that—that's—it's our nation has been taken over by our enemies, folks. It really, really has um, here in the United States. And uh, but it's good to hear uh, that we can have that kind of positive influence and impact. Uh, and we want to continue to be able to do that. Pray that we will have those opportunities. What I wanted to do uh, in the rest of our time—I'm uh, not sure how much time we have. Uh, rich is rich is good. Uh, well, you know, you keep telling me that you have to. Um, Reserve time, oh, but you can adjust that. Okay, all right. Well, okay, all right, all right. Well, I I, I didn't know all that, but okay. Uh, no, no, no. We're we're we do not want to do that. Um, lunch is calling. Um, there was some I messed up yesterday uh, on the program and. I don't know when we're going to do another program. Maybe... I don't know what your schedule looks like on Friday. We may be able to sneak a program in on Friday. So... But I just skipped something yesterday. I had it all queued up. But I think what happened was I spent a lot more time than I expected to on the textual stuff. For some reason, I like talking about textual critical issues. I'm about the only guy on the planet that... Other than Peter Gurry and a few other people to do. But anyway... Um, I had this ready to go, and I I just didn't do it. So I want to at least touch on it here. Totally different topic, man. And we're talking about putting the clutch in. Do you realize how many people, young people, have no earthly idea what putting the clutch in means? Um, And I don't even know if they make uh, manual transmissions anymore, but that would be the greatest method of keeping some of them stealing your vehicle. Anyone under 40 could never steal your vehicle because they have no
2: earthly idea. Wouldn't you say that's a good idea? I'd say that's a really good idea. And by the way, before we proceed with the next subject, I Uh do need to put out a disclaimer with something that you said during the interview. And this needs to be corrected immediately because Twitter, if it's not already going berserk over this, the fact that you talked about going out with an AK-47 and you talked about... Putting a clip in it. Yes, it, it's a magazine, and and Twitter will go berserk over that. It, it's not a clip. It's 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 a magazine. Just wanted to put that out there and make sure that we understand that that's the word you meant to use, it was not a clip. It was a magazine. So I need to put that out there. Thank you. But I was quoting someone else. Oh, he he he, the knows, military he knows. He He knows what a clip is.
0: Use the word clip. He knows what a clip is.
2: Okay. All right.
0: All right. Folks, I'm really not sure what just happened now, but um, Rich, actually what just happened was Rich puts the camera up. He takes the time to get it ready. He didn't turn his light on today. Why isn't your light on? I turned it off. I didn't break it, but there's a switch on the back. I had to find it Um, because when I turned the stuff on, it turned on. I'm like, why are we having a light light on out there? But he goes through all this stuff to have the Rich Cam on, and that was just simply so he could talk. <laughs> Didn't mean anything, but it. But Rich could talk. Really? You're kidding. So there there are people out there that, that don't recognize that they can be used interchangeably, depending on the context? Okay. Anyway. Or would people just freaked out that... I, I mentioned on that program I did that I have an AK-47. I mean, you could buy those things. A few years ago, uh, 15 years ago, you, 20 years ago, you could buy, buy an AK-47 for about 220 Yeah, about 220 bucks. And like I said, they're ugly. Mine was Romanian, uh, is Romanian. Uh, they're ugly, but they are completely interchangeable. So you can take parts from one made in one place and stick them on parts. So some of them look like my old 64 Dodge truck. <laughs> They've just been put together and all their things but they work, and you cannot destroy them unless you run over them with an M1 Abrams tank, then you can destroy it, and that's that's what my friend was doing, was uh, uh, there you go. Anyway, how did we get on to all that? I have no earthly idea, but I had this queued up um, on uh, yesterday morning, I think, uh, this article uh, was posted at the G Three Ministries uh, website, and it's by Michael Riley, called "Not by What Standard, But by What Means." And so I was really, really interested when I saw the title. It, it could have gone any, any one of many directions. And what was really, really interesting about it is it is a well here's one of the sub- subtitles, Van Til and Christian Nationalism. So it's an article written from a presuppositional perspective, um responding to uh sort of Doug Wilson, who also is Vantilian. And so much of what um it was it was you could be a cool kid over the past 10 years, 15 years, by saying you were a presuppositionalist, that you were a Now that, that was what the cool kids were doing. And now, over the past number of years, with the Thomistic resourcement and all the rest of that kind of stuff, there's all these people who have put out videos. I used to be a presuppositionalist. And then, of course, you have your hardcore... Bruton, liebolt guys that that basically say that if you're a presuppositionalist you turn Jesus into a myth and all this other utter insanity and not even some no semblance of balance at all amongst those uh, intellectuals um but anyway so I was really interested uh, and I wanted to sort of look through the the article a bit and share some of these things with you and discuss it with you. Uh, he says, I'm a Vantillian apologist. I am not a Christian nationalist. And Doug Wilson ably repeatedly places his finger on the apparent tension between those positions. As a Vantillian, I'm skeptical of the bearing power of natural law. To be sure, because we live in God's universe, a person who ins- insists on transgressing God, God's law will often discover the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Proverbs 13, 15. But deducing binding invariant morality from natural consequences is not so simple. Do natural outcomes always indicate moral virtues? Remember the consternation of the psalmist envying the wicked who have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind, Psalm 73. It is true that Asaph is rescued from a collapse of his his faith by discerning their end in 73.17. But this conclusion moves us out of the realm of natural law into supernatural revelation. Ventilian apologists make much of the argument that moral laws have their full justification only if they are situated within a Christian universe. This insight is aptly captured by Rushduni's piercing question, regularly echoed by Wilson and others, by what standard? The argument is that, unmoored from God's revealed law, all moral claims reduce to suggestion and preference. remember this is at the g3 site you know everybody's lobbying bombs at g3 um but this is at the g3 site so i was very appreciative of that the apologetic case built on this observation is straightforward no one can meaningfully engage in any argument at all unless there are universally binding obligations there is a morality to epistemology now let me stop make sure make sure you hear that there is a morality to epistemology. Epistemology is how we know what we know. And in most Western thinking today, and certainly in, in secularism, there is no morality to epistemology at all. They're two completely different things. Knowledge is a neutral thing that just simply exists. There is no morality to it. And that's why the Chinese are Uh, experimenting with DNA and changing mankind because their worldview has no way of stopping that those obligations must be more substantial than manners and conventions as Bonson said to Stein again the classic debate that took place between uh, Greg Bonson and Gordon Stein 1985 Dr. Stein has said that the laws of logic are merely conventional I can almost hear this in Greg's voice In a bad recording. Um, If so, then on convention, he wins tonight's debate. And on convention, I win tonight's debate. And if you're satisfied with that, you didn't need to come in the first place. You expected the laws of logic to be applied as universal standards of rationality. Rationality isn't possible in a universe that just consigns them to convention. That would be... I think that was in the rebuttal. I've listened to it so many times, but anyway... Yet, going back to our author here, yet no non-Christian worldview can adequately account for such transcendent standards. Thus, when an unbeliever makes his case against God, his anti-theistic argument presumes the truth of Christianity. So this is just you've heard this from uh, Brother Ayala, from Jeff Durbin, from myself, Uh, if you've listened to, if read of any, any of Bonson's books and Oliphant uh, and Frame, all students of Greg Bond's of, of uh, Van Til. That's where it's coming from. The application of this to government seems straightforward. If one function of law is to announce and enforce a public morality, surely that morality must then be rooted in Christianity. For this reason, it's not hard to see what seems to be a necessary connection between Van Tilian apologetics and Christian nationalism if not full-blown post-millennial theonomy. My argument is that I can coherently reject Christian nationalism while embracing the Vantillian argument that morality has an exclusively Christian foundation. I agree with Wilson on the answer to the question, by what standard? Our disagreement is better discerned by asking, by what means? Now, the reason I'm going through all this is This isn't the kind of meaningful dialogue and discussion that's normally taking place. In fact, I would expect, I haven't asked him, uh, I could ask him, and maybe I will. I haven't asked Doug if he's going to respond to this, but I hope he does. Because my experience in doing the sweater vest dialogues with Doug is it always brings clarification. And given that this is so well-written and thought through uh, and is posted at G3, uh, I think it would be awesome if Doug would respond um, in written form or in a, at least a long blog and may blog type of response. That's, that's what I would like to see. So that's why I'm going through it. Uh, subtitle, The Collapse of the Consensus. We began by considering an example of a human activity with arbitrary rules. He talked about baseball. I contend we can establish the same pattern if we move up from the trivial example of a baseball game to institutions with more overtly objective moral obligations. Can a grocery store exist and function without an explicit Christian consensus? Again, as a Vantillian, I'm going to insist that functional grocery stores presuppose Christ. The determination that avocados don't belong in the toiletry section the trustworthiness of the sums calculated by the cash register, the alarms at the door to catch the guy with the pack of replacement razors in his sock, all of these would be merely arbitrary and groundless if Christianity were false. Grocery stores properly run are evidence that Jesus truly is Lord. Again, I agree, and Doug Wilson would agree. Okay? Continues on. But again, must everyone confess that Jesus is Lord for the grocery store to function? Must the grocery store itself acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ to continue its business? Baseball games and grocery stores can function at the level of consensus without either the institution nor its participants explicitly affirming the Christian theology that gives true moral structure to the consensus. It is indisputably true that the duration of that consensus will be extended by a shared, coherent moral vision. Now there's something that's important. Notice... It is indisputably true that the duration of that consensus will be extended by a shared, coherent moral vision. So in other words, this may not be where he would be going, but I I pause for a moment. What have we been watching recently? Why are CVSs and Walgreens closing in many neighborhoods in major cities? Because we've all watched the people just walking in, and filling bags not with foodstuffs to feed their family but with stuff to sell to get drugs and the employees have been told you can't stop them you can't stop them from doing what they're doing there's where the consensus is gone because these people do not have what was assumed only a few years ago pretty much in all of our so- in all of our society that there is such thing as private property and someone else's property doesn't belong to you, and it's wrong for you to take their property, uh, and that you have a moral obligation before God not to be a thief. That's gone. Okay, that's gone. Why is it gone? Well, that's part of what needs to be discussed. It is specifically being denied by secularism. Secularism cannot ground what needs to... Exist to keep these systems from breaking down and then what happens when they do break down you end up with the state becoming God and You have totalitarian totalitarianism you've got China You've got cops in every grocery store and you've got cameras on every person and you are being judged You have a social credit score by what you buy That's what's happening in China Uh, That's where they want this to go, but you got to break down What was there before? Freedom. Liberty. Which was based upon Christian responsibility. That was defined by the Christian faith. That's what had given us the common law. The English common law. Okay. Uh, If we have one headstrong little leaguer who decides, uh, the illustration before was he decides to run, instead of why do we run the bases counterclockwise? Why not run them clockwise? I mean, somebody just came up with that idea. But you know, in in the World Series, you've, you've got to run the bases. You've got to go to first, first, and then second, and then third. That works. If we have one headstrong Little Leaguer who decides to go the other way, uh, we can send him home. The rest of the people who want to play baseball can keep playing baseball. But what if the majority of kids and most of the umps decide to ignore the rules? What do we do then? And what if, to make obvious transition, the collapse of consensus occurs not in a baseball game, but with regard to the rules of government and civil society. We are right to be dismayed at the collapse of that public moral consensus, a collapse brought about by the spiritual hollowing out of our nation's people by their turning from the triune God of Christianity. What is to be done about this collapse? Now, I would, ex- I would want to expand on that. Yes, it is a spiritual hollowing out of our nation's people, but how did it happen and why? And that's where, once again, the culture of death, secularism, needs to be identified clearly, because it is not something that can in any way be considered morally neutral. It is anti-Christian. It is anti-human. And that's what's causing these, this collapse of consensus. What is to be done about this collapse? In my judgment, this is where my disagreement with Doug Wilson and others who share his position is located. I am entire. I am, I affirm, sorry, I affirm entirely that at its foundations, a stable and functional government presupposes the truth of Christian theism. I do not disagree with Wilson that the final answer to by what standard is the law of God. But I do not believe that the force of government is the means by which this standard is to be established. Now, there's a note here. Um, Okay, it's a note to another G3 thing. Now, this is where we can actually make progress. (laughs) I do not believe that the force of government is the means by which this standard is to be established. What are we talking about here? Because this is what, again, we've done two dialogues. One on the Wolf book, one on his mere Christendom book and what was my concern in all of this it was means that's what the sacralism argument is about from my perspective the only way that we can see massive change is if there is a massive change in hearts so it's not the government doing this now this this is probably where Doug and I would have different emphases and hence maybe have differences Um, At the same time, when it says, I do not believe that the force of government is the means by which the standard is to be established. Let me read the rest of it. Our disagreement is not over the standard by which a government is judged good. It is over the means by which we are to to work to see that standard embraced by or enforced upon our fellow citizens. And that is really the issue that really is the issue because from my perspective I'm I'm viewing this theologically this comes about naturally as the result of the fulfillment of scriptural promises that the coastlands will seek after God's law so you have massive change massive conversions and the natural result is we want to please God, how do we do so? And hence, that's not being forced from the outside upon anybody. Well, okay. But, technically, if you have a situation where 70% of the people in a population want to please God, they're going to legislate laws that will, um, that will execute rapists. All right. Are there going to be non-Christians who think rape is okay and they're going to be thrown in, thrown in prison and executed for raping well yeah i suppose so but that's that's what all law does all law says murder uh rape kidnapping these are fundamental violations that are to carry capital punishment We don't do that anymore here, which is why you have it happening right, left, and center. But that was the goodness of God's law. And if we want God's blessing, then you have to... But here's the problem. That is the very argumentation that was then used to drown Baptists. And you go, I see a a chasm there. Yeah, the problem is that power can build bridges to cross chasms like that. And that's what you had happening. When you have that that's why that's why under sacralism Christendom 1.0 since you didn't have regeneration taking place, you get this tradition built built up and even after the reformation you've got Luther knowing Fritz is down in the pit, you've got Zwingli preaching free grace and watching Anabaptists drowned off the bridge outside his window. Now, that was a transitionary period. I get it. I understand that. They didn't. They were coming out of a sacral system. They didn't really want to end a sacral system. They just wanted to end who had the ultimate authority in the sacral system. Uh, and the Reformation laid the foundation for the destruction of that sacral system. No question about all those things. But it took time. But that's why I'm saying, unless regeneration is brought about in a wide uh, majority of the people, the only thing this can lead to is the use of religion as another corrupt force of government, which is what you had under Rome. That's why anybody who's talking about you know we'll we'll take over you know a couple years from now just isn't getting it uh, because there's only one thing that can lead to there's only one thing that can lead to and simply saying but wouldn't you rather have good laws than bad laws isn't answering the question because you can have bad men twisting good laws all of it has to do with when 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 you have the, the the prophetic promise, they they will seek after seeking after your law. What is that? Write upon their hearts that law. That has that's regeneration. That's regeneration. That has to that has to be the only foundation that can be there. Um so this is where the conversation has to take place and It needs to be taking place more widely. And I'm so appreciate what I appreciate about this article so much. And I don't know this brother. At least I don't think I know this brother. I'm sorry, brother, if we've met. And I'm just, I, I tend to know people by context. So I've people, I've had people walk up to me that I actually know fairly well, but in a complete context where I never would ever expect to see them. And I'm left going, uh, uh, yeah, you look familiar. And then it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. So maybe we've met in some context. I Just by name, it's not clicking from what I'm reading here, but I really appreciated the article. I hope everybody will go see it, and hopefully you can remind me to link to it um, when uh, when I get done here. But this is the stuff that needs to be discussed. Being discussed. Our disagreement is not over the standard by which a government is judged good. Even though that is a disagreement with a lot of folks. And at least, and one thing that I'm thankful for is that we have moved positively to where more and more people are recognizing this. I grew up in the in the myth of neutrality time where that, that just wasn't even part of our thinking. It is over the means by which we are to work to see that standard embraced by or enforced upon our fellow citizens, which from my perspective has to be a massive work of the Spirit of God. That's okay. Uh, I think it's important, as I conclude, to make clear the specific thesis I'm defending. I'm merely making the case that one can simultaneously believe that, one, all moral claims, including the obligation to conform to arbitrary laws, ultimately are groundless unless Christianity is true, while also believing that, two, if the consensus about these conventions disintegrates, it is not the role of the state to enforce the underlying explicitly Christian foundations for these laws. Now that's where I'd like to hear a response. Because what, what I would say is the state has to be called to do what God says it is to do, which is to preserve life. So we right now have a state that is in love with the culture of death and enforcing the culture of death. It is enforcing death rather than life. Therefore, it's in rebellion against God and will be judged by God. That is what we have to loudly proclaim to everyone. That if they want life, this is not the direction to go. This is destructive. Um. And I I just don't know that Doug Wilson would disagree with that. Um He certainly didn't in the conversations that we had. So, the role of the state is key. And my understanding of Romans chapter 13 is that there is a clear expression from God's word as to what the role of the state is to be. And that's what we are to proclaim to them. And God has called his people to live under Governments that were very friendly toward them and were actually supportive of the proclamation of the gospel all the way to the other end of of that spectrum. And the real challenge is, for every eschatological perspective, no matter how you view it, how do you live faithfully, depending on where God has called you to be, in light of what the state is where you are or what the state's becoming, where we are right now. Uh, if you're convinced, finish off here, if you're convinced that Christian nationalism is justified on other grounds, this argument won't be persuasive, and that's fine. Here, I'm not arguing that Vantillian apologetics precludes Christian nationalism. Instead, I'm merely arguing that Vantilianism doesn't demand it either. Um... And I, and I appreciate that argument. Um, and I've never argued that Van Til requires Christian nationalism. Van Til came out of a period where, at least in some parts of Europe, there had been sort of an attempt at a form of Christian nationalism. You, you know, all those nations still to this day have state churches and what has been the result of every single state church in europe ask believing solid christians in any nation in europe what do you think of the state church and they're all going to be like that's where the apostates go (laughs) that that's that's the that's the biggest struggle we have is to try to evangelize people because they think that because they're a part of the state church, they're, they're actually Christians. And they have no concept of bowing to the lordship of Christ or, or repentance and faith and any anything like that at all because all those state churches have become apostate. Well, why is that? What is that a failure of? Is that a failure of Christian nationalism? Is it a failure of Christendom 1.0? Is the difference between christian christendom 1.0 and christendom 2.0 a belief that there will be a time when the nations will seek after god's law and there's where the where the son says you know the father says to the son in the psalter ask and i'll give you the nations as your inheritance and when the son asks does the father do so and does that then result in all of this or can we bring this in through some other means? There's where there's where all the issues are. And hopefully you can see there's a lot to be thinking about there and there's a lot of foundational stuff. And reformed people are going to respond differently than non-reformed people, but there are divisions amongst reformed people at this point as well. Big divisions. And not just the Thomistic stuff. Uh, but that is a part of it. There is no question that that is a part of it. Because while Thomas may have been... Uh, friendly toward Augustine, his anthropology and sacramentology fundamentally twists the best of Augustinian grace. Inevitably, inevitably. And Augustine wasn't consistent because of the Donatist controversy, and we've talked about that over and over again. But I really appreciate this because it, it, it a lot of folks have just decided, I'm not even going to listen to any of this anymore because it's the same stuff the same surface level stuff just being kicked around and turned into memes and silliness and I get it this was an article that actually tried to go I'm a Vantillian presuppositionalist I'm not a Christian nationalist whatever in the world that's supposed to mean anymore and here's why and here's where my disagreements would be and it was wise enough to not try to do more than just one thing. Because I, I appreciate, it. notice at the end, if you're convinced that Christian nationalism is justified on other grounds, this argument won't be persuasive, and that's fine. So in other words, I'm willing to write an article and have a narrow focus. There's one thing I'm trying to accomplish here. Here, I'm not arguing that Van Tilian apologetics precludes Christian nationalism. Instead, I'm merely arguing that it doesn't demand it either. So you've you've got... The wisdom here is I'm only trying to establish one point and not answer every question that could ever be asked. And that seems to be, in my experience, what what frustrates me so much. I'm looking at Twitter here. I'm pointing toward Twitter. You don't know that, but I'm pointing toward Twitter. What frustrates me about trying in social media is... You'll put out your best effort, I'll do a long tweet, I'll edit it, clear, there it is. So few people have been taught to read without a bias, fellow Christians grant some kind of grace, and follow an argument only through to the point that the person is arguing it, not this point over here and that point over there and that point over there and that point over there. And by the time you get hit with 47 different utterly irrelevant questions that have nothing to do with what you just said, you just give up and say, forget it. You know? I mean, that's, that's the frustration. And a lot of that is due to the non-education system in the United States today. And the irony is some of the best homeschooling information, some of the best homeschooling publications to help you to train your kids to think logically. Uh, Jason Lyle has an excellent... Excellent materials on that, by the way. On lot teaching your kids logic and stuff like that. Whole curriculum you can get from Jason Lyle, BiblicalScienceInstitute.com. But Can Impress. Canon Press has a whole bunch of stuff on logic and stuff like that, ironically enough, uh, in that sense. Um, and that's great. But man, it just seems like it's people come to the church and they just their think their the thinking processes have been so crippled. By the educational system that it's hard for them to think the way scripture would have them to think uh and as a result you just get this massive explosion of different perspectives so it's, uh, it's hard but anyways i had that queued up oh do you have your microphone up i can't you've you've it's, it's you without the light on man i just uh, i can't really see you uh over there
2: i i found that article very well taken, especially the first part, because it, it's that side of it, that administrative side that doesn't get talked about. Everybody wants to talk about righteous laws. We need to have all these righteous laws. If we look at the Old Testament, where did the failure happen? We had righteous law. We had perfectly righteous law. But you got a lot of people with it, a heart of was, stone. It was in the administration of the righteous law that we find the unrighteous judges that we find the unrighteous magistrate. And we fast forward to now, and the the big thing that nobody seems to be really... I mean, you're getting into it all the time, but when you have leaders like we have that have good laws and decide, we're just not going to do that. Oh, yeah. Okay, we have the situation with the struggle over the laws in the state of Arizona and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And the leaders in government suddenly, well, we're just not going to do that. Well, we're going to go ahead and fight it. We're going to appeal this stuff to the Supreme Court. It was before it was overturned. It was clear as day as to what it was meant. And they knew it. And they fought the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And they lost for once. And for now, for now. But again, when we have administrative laws where we we have COVID, we had administrators who simply made up law out of thin air well, that did not exist. We just you just interviewed a guy who was a victim of that, yep. and we'll just we'll just make it up and we'll we'll ruin your life over it. And you sit back and go, well, where's the he he, he nails the problem? The problem is at the heart of man. Evil. And all my evil desires override all those righteous desires, because I don't really care that the law doesn't anchor me anywhere, and the moral fabric of it is is m- completely missing in the being of the uh, of the, the the administrator. That's just what hit me. All right. Well, uh, we went
0: uh, pretty much uh, uh, same as yesterday. We've done two jumbos in a row. Um, but I wanted to make sure to run over that article and uh, uh, thank the author and thank G3 for posting it. It's very useful. It's very helpful. By the way, I did see somewhere where he um, made a uh, correction. Uh, Stephen Wolf had made an objection. to something about uh, in their hearts or something like that. I think it was a, not a well way of saying that the state could somehow change hearts or something. I, I, I don't remember what the exact context was, but he said he changed it and put a footnote in, and I don't know if the version I grabbed was before or after that. It was probably before. Uh, but it didn't come up. I don't think it's really relevant to the um, discussion that we just had. So I will link to that, and I appreciate that. Thanks uh, very much uh, to Asa Miller for being with us. I've got a picture of him um, out in the field on the on Twitter. He seemed significantly less um, uh, scary looking uh, during the interview than than what uh, he looks like there with that. Um, that is a big, he's got, that's a very big gun. <laughs> that's just, wow. Uh, okay. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, appreciate him, him being on, looking forward to getting a chance to meet him in person at some point in the future and uh we will look at doing friday we'll let you know when we're the other on the app please download the app um my next trip is coming up uh the day after thanksgiving uh so there's still a travel fund there uh if you want to uh help uh keep the truck running and uh, the uh, the unit going uh the unit right now i haven't heard anything. have you called it i haven't heard anything uh, the whole the whole roof there's a fabric on the roof is being replaced it's warranty work thankfully um what well, didn't have uh, what they say didn't just have enough adhesive on it the first time around when it was first made so uh it's in it's in the shop being worked on but we'll be going back to saint charles we'll be talking about um uh Sola scriptura and there's new stuff to be talking about on that and then afterwards um we're gonna be going to kansas city and i don't it's been a long i don't even remember being in kansas city it's been such a long long time but we're trying to work with two different churches there in kansas city the weekend after i'm in saint charles so uh we'll be having that on that trip and then come in february we've got this on the front at Aomen.org. huge the big huge 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 five debates a big huge trip there keep that in mind as well I'll keep praying for that. We may see you on Friday. We'll let you know when we are there. Thanks for watching. God bless.